Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, we'll be continuing with Tom Cantor on the personal relevance of the Passover from Exodus chapter 12. Let's listen in with Tom. It says, Now, you eat the flesh. The lamb? Yeah. You eat the flesh. You don't kosherize it. You don't go to all the salting to take out all the salt. There's still blood left in there. And you eat the flesh in that night. You roast it with fire. You make herb, uh, unleavened bread, bitter herbs. You eat it. Don't eat it raw. Resod it all fire. Roast with fire. His head, his legs, everything. Let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, you shall burn with fire. It was a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice. Did you know in the temple the people ate the sacrifices? Some of them. Did you know there that they ate that Passover lamb? The lamb that saved them? You know what the Lord Jesus Christ said? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. People said, oh, whoa, what are you talking about eating flesh, drinking blood? What is that? Hey, what is it, cannibal? No. You eat that lamb. You so receive me that it's like you're eating the lamb of God, the, the Passover lamb. And here's how you're supposed to eat it. You eat it, your loins girded, it's a big rush going on. Your shoes on your feet, your staff in your feet. This is, not a, this is not a leisurely dinner here. Eat in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. It's the Lord's, Lord's sparing. It's the Lord's, the Lord's skipping. And, and, then he, and then God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pass through. I want to pass over, but I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt this night. And it will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt, while I execute judgment. I am the Lord. You know what I saw here? It's like a universal catastrophe. That's going to be, he's going to pass through the land of Egypt. Every firstborn is going to die, whether it's man or it's beast. It's going to be Egyptians, it's going to be Jews. Everybody's going to be affected. But there's one singular way of escape. And God said, this is the way you got to do it. It's God's plan of salvation. And he said, this is the way you're going to be saved. He said, we're going to get the lamb. The lamb's going to transform and become a lamb, the lamb, your lamb. You're going to kill the lamb. You're going to eat the lamb. You're going to apply the blood. This is the way it's got to work. Now, there could be some family that says to himself, yeah, you know what? Jewish customs. We're Egyptians. We'll get through it. We got our religion. We got with the blood. No. Hey. It applied to Jews. It applied to Egyptians. It was God, the God of all the earth, his way of salvation. It wasn't a way of salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no Jew, no Egyptian, no Muslim, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's just the way it's got to work. If they didn't do no blood, death came. Somebody might say, you know what, I'm a pacifist. I'm going to sit in my doorway here. I'll meditate my way through this. Death came. You know who was the most concerned about whether it was done right? The firstborn son. Dad, 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 please, dad, dad, tell me. Would you please rehearse with me again? Are you sure you got it right, dad? Did you go get the lamb like it? Dad, dad, please tell me that it was a lamb without blemish. God, dad, please tell me that you killed the lamb. Please tell me, God, oh, 
Dad, the blood, did you collect the blood? Dad, remember the hiss of Dad, did you put it on there? Dad, we're trusting in what God said. He said he's going to pass over. It's my skin it's at neck. that's at stake. Would you please do it God's way? Don't improvise, Dad. And when Dad said, I did it God's way, then the son could say, okay, now I'm trusting what God said. And then, verse 13, it says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. Whoa, yeah. That means that when I go walking down the street here, I say, hey, there's some blood there. He trusts God. Oh, there's some blood there. He trusts God. Oh, he didn't. Okay. Oh, there's some there. He trusts God. And so why it's so important when you receive the Jewish Messiah to confess with your mouth that you are now in the Jewish Messiah. I believe in Jesus the Messiah. Oh, that's a token. Okay, I see you. Oh, yeah, I recognize you. Be a token to you and to God. I did it. I received the Lord Jesus Christ, just like they saw that blood there. It's a token to you. Where you are. And, and then God said, God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. He said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. God sees blood. He saw the blood in the lamb. He saw the... No, no, no. What he means is, when I see you have applied the blood, I will pass over you. I don't have to judge you, but it's your choice. And I've given you the sovereignty of choice. And the sovereignty of choice is all set down. And will you apply the blood? Oh, you could get the lamb. You could separate the lamb. You could make sure that that lamb had no blemish. You could kill the lamb. But if you don't apply that blood on the house, I won't pass over you. Oh, you can know that Jesus of Nazareth was God who became a man and the Jewish Messiah. Oh, you can worship him even that way. Oh, you can understand that he died on a cross for your sins and was raised the third day. Oh, you can do that. But if you don't apply that blood of the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the doorpost of your heart and trust that he will save you from your sins, God will not pass over you. It's the blood that's applied When I see the blood, he means when I see the blood applied. When he means, he says, when I see that you have applied the blood, I'll pass over you. I'll pass over you. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. He says, and, I got a promise, God says, the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. When I smite the land of Egypt, he's going to smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. That's your memorial day. That was the day, oh God, when I put the blood on the doorpost of my heart and I was saved from being destroyed by the destroying angel and the plague never reached me. Lord, there was a day I remember in my life, seven, September 1970, when I, when I, I, I was in a a Baptist church of all places. How could a Jew be in a Baptist church? I have no idea. The scary place, the only scarier place is a Catholic church. But I somehow was searching and I was looking and I went to the temples and they said, we can't talk to you about Jesus and, and so forth. And, and so I was in, looking in the newspaper and the newspaper said there was going to be this movie on Israel. I said, how anti-Semitic can it be? It's a movie on Israel. It's a Baptist church. Fine. 
I sat in the back row. I sat as close as I could to the door. I wanted out of there as soon as the, the, the um, movie was finished. The movie was finished. I was getting up to make a beeline before anybody could tell I was a Jew. And this little old lady comes up to me. She puts her hand on my shoulder. She said, you're a Jew, aren't you? And I go, oh, no, how do you know? Do I have the map of Jerusalem on my face? She says, relax, relax. She says, uh, our pastor's grandmother was Jewish. Won't you talk to him? I said, okay. I meet with the pastor. I'm talking to him about what I'm talking to you about a little bit in, in uh, Passover. And he says to me, oh, okay, <clears throat> have you ever received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I didn't even know what he's talking about. I know now he's talking about, have you ever applied the blood to the doorpost of your heart? I said, I don't understand what you're saying. He said, look, I could tell you that I want to give you this book. That's fact. In fact, you can believe it. And you can say, you know, I really believe you want to give me the book. You're a nice man. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You're very kind. You want to give me the book. That's fact. But then there comes a time when you will reach out your hand and you will take the book out of my hand. That's receipt. I said, meaning? He said, you can tell me, as you have, that you believe what this book says. Now you need to apply it. How? You have to pray to God. Four points in your prayer. First, you acknowledge you're a sinner. You tell God you're a sinner. I said, look, we don't know each other very long, but if you knew me, you'd understand when I say, it's no problem for me. God doesn't know I can give him a list. Second, you tell him you hate your sin. I said, true. Third, you tell him you do believe this, that God became a man, the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, so he could die for your sins, and he did. And he rose again on the third day. Now comes the application part. You tell him that you want that death of the Jewish Messiah, the God who became a man, to be for you. The Lamb of God should be your Lamb. And you receive him into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. He becomes your God, he becomes your Savior. You willing to do that? I said, uh, can you help me? Yeah. I bowed my head. He helped me with, with words. I repeated after him. He said, just repeat after me. I mean it from your heart, though. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I hate my sin. I hate my sin. I believe that you as God became a man. You died for my sins. I believe that you as God became a man. You died for my sins. You rose again on the third day. You rose again on the third day. I open the door of my heart. I open the door of my heart. I receive you now as my personal Lord and Savior. You died for me. Please save me. I receive you now as my personal Lord and Savior. You died for me. Please save me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right away. For years, I've been carrying this guilt and this shame and this dirty feeling inside. Secret. I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't tell my wife. Nobody. Gone. Just like that. I didn't get amnesia. I can remember all the stuff I did in the past that caused me to have, but it was like, no more power, no more weakness, no more debilitating, I got to kill myself thoughts. And I became a child of God. And the calendar started for me, a new calendar, because I got new birth and I got new life on that day. I was what the Bible calls born again. 
Just like Passover. Just like Passover. Apply the blood. Apply the blood. Let's just think about this a little bit. I told you in the beginning how that, that phrase gripped me when John the Baptist said it, the Lamb of God. It still does today. I can't get over it. Because you remember the family? Family comes along, and the family says, hmm, let's see, I've got to make a choice. The lamb here, okay. Oh, that was us. That, that's, that, that's, the, that's the canter lamb right there. That's, that's, the, that's the lamb of canters. Okay, bring him out. There's a lamb. There he is, lamb of canters. Okay, we're going to kill him. You know what happened? God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jehovah himself, the Adonai, the Adonai of Elohim. And that person became a man. And then God the Father, he chose a lamb. And he singled out that lamb from humanity as the one that he knew was without sin and was without blemish. And then he called that lamb the Lamb of God. You didn't choose that lamb from among humanity. God did. You didn't send that lamb into humanity. God did. And when God chose that lamb, he chose it for you, and he chose it for me. And then God, the Father, he killed the lamb. But now he stops, and he says, will you apply the blood of my lamb to the door of your heart so that I can Pesach, pass over you. The word Pesach in Hebrew means skip or excuse. Using the military, for example, if you're in the military in Israel and someone comes to you and says, well, okay, we've got a list here. Here's the, here's the men who are going to fight on the Lebanese front. And they're going down the line and they say, oh, Moisha, oh, he's got such flat feet he can't even walk. We can't send him to the line. Moisha, Pesach. And we keep on going down the line and we say, Ah, here's Maury. Maury, he, he's so in love. He just got married three days ago. We can't send him to life. Maury, Pesach. Just means skip. Skip, Pesach. Maury, skip, Pesach. You know what God does? We've all sinned. We're on a list. He goes down the list. He says, oh, he applied the blood of the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the door of his heart. He has received him. He has confessed him. Pesach. Passover, skip, no judgment. The plague will not come to him. That's what it means. God will pass through to destroy, but God wants to pass over those who have put their faith and trust in the Lamb of God that was slain for their sins. That's such a great truth today that we've been studying, Tom. So the big question is, we're studying a part of history of the Jewish people who left Egypt over 3,000 years ago. How can that really be relevant today? Well, the key is to see that what happened in the history of the Jewish people when they left Egypt over 3,000 years ago was set up by God to teach us something that has eternal merit or eternal relevance. And that eternal relevance is It's all about God's sacrifice for man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we saw there in the the 
history of the Passover was that God said, this is the way that you take away the sin that you have that's separating between you and me that's causing this big separation. Here's how you do it. You do it by applying the blood that I'm gonna, I'm gonna shed for you. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He became a man and then he shed his own blood and now he says it's all up to you as a choice. It's all about choice. It's very, very important to see in the history of the Passover the choice. It was a choice. When Moses told the people of Israel, the Jewish people, you have to get a lamb, it was a choice. Would they get a lamb or not? When he told them, you have to keep the lamb for three days, it was a choice. Will they keep the lamb for three days or not? When he told them, you have to kill the lamb on the third day, it was a choice. Would they kill the lamb or not? When he told them, you have to collect the blood and then apply it onto the top of the door sill and on the two doorposts, it was a choice. Were they going to kill the lamb? Were they going to collect the blood? Were they going to put the blood as God said? It was all a choice. And God said, when I see that you have chosen to obey me, when you have followed my instructions, then when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. In other words, your sins will be forgiven. There'll be nothing that'll be separating between you and your God. We can then be friends. There could be friendship with God. But it was all centered on a choice. And this is so important in the scriptures. As a matter of fact, A wonderful, beautiful example of this issue of the choice comes to us in the life of Rebecca, Isaac's wife. Actually, it was a history before she became Isaac's wife. And it's recorded for us in Genesis chapter 24. And what happened was Abraham had sent for Isaac, had sent his servant Eliezer to go into the home of Laban and to 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 find a wife for Isaac for his son Isaac. And so Eliezer had done this. He had been obedient. He had gone into the home of Laban and there was uh, uh Isaac's wife to be Rebekah and uh, her brother was Laban and it says here in Genesis 24 verse 55 her brother, that would be Rebecca's brother, her brother and her mother said, Rebecca's mother said, let the damsel abide with us. In other words, stay with us a few days, at least 10. After that, she shall go. Now, this was what was facing Eliezer. On one hand, he had the call and he had the responsibility to his master, Abraham, who had sent him to go get the wife for Rebecca, for, for Isaac, Rebecca. And so here he has come into this Rebecca's house, but now there's a problem because Rebecca's uh, brother and her mother are saying, just let her stay here 10 more days. And in verse 56, Eliezer speaks up and he says, and he said unto them, hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And then in verse 57, they said this, we will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah, verse 58, and said unto her, wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. You see what that is there? There's the choice. The choice was put to Rebecca. They said, Rebecca said, it is now totally your choice. 
No one's going to say anything. No one's going to try to influence you. It's your decision and yours alone. Everybody is quiet, even Laban, as the, as the spotlight turns onto Rebecca and the question is posed to her, what's your answer, Rebecca? We are all waiting to know what is your decision that you have made. And the question is, will you go with this man? And she says the three words, I will go. That was the choice. That was her decision. This is the same way it is with the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. God became a man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He became a man so that he could be the Lamb of God and die for sins. And then he presents himself as a choice. Will you accept God's sacrifice, the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, or reject God's sacrifice. That's the choice. The same like it was made to Rebecca. Rebecca, wilt thou go with this man? God saying to the Jewish people and to all people for that matter, will you accept my lamb, my sacrifice? Everybody waits for the decision. Rebecca, she made her decision and those words reflected it. I will go. In the same way, God has turned to you, my friend, and he's asking you, I be, he's saying to you, I became a man, the Lord Jesus Christ. I went to a cross for your sins. I died for you. I poured out my blood for you to make an atonement for your soul. Will you take God's sacrifice for your lamb, for your sacrifice, yes or no. And everybody waits, just as with Rebecca, waits to see your decision. What's your decision? You see, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, God had said to the Jewish people, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. You see, God had said, I've put it all out before you. You can choose this way as life, or you can choose this way as death. You can choose this way as blessing, or you can choose this way, which is cursing. Now the choice is yours. God says, therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. But it's all about choice. God sets it out before you. That's your choice. That's simply your choice. It all comes down to Isaiah 53, verse 10 when it speaks about the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. So it was the Father that bruised the Son. It was God the Father that bruised God the Son. Why? In order to make an atonement for your soul. It says, he hath put him to grief. Who killed the Lord Jesus Christ? Many, many answers. But here from Isaiah 53, God did. God sacrificed his son. He hath put him to grieve. And then it says these words, all for this purpose, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. What's it mean? If you make his soul your personal offering for sin. God says, I will look down from heaven. I will point to you and say, 
You are now my seed. You are my son. He shall see his seed. And furthermore, God says, your days which you think end when the doctor pronounces you dead? No. God says, I'll prolong your days to have no end. Life everlasting. And furthermore, as far as purpose goes in life, God says, my pleasure, what I want to accomplish, will prosper in your hand. I will use you. How does all this happen? When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Im tasim Hashem nefsho. When you put your guilt on his soul. That's what it literally means in the Hebrew. When you put your guilt on his soul. When you say the great transition from the Lamb of God to my Lamb of God. John the Baptist, when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ in John 1.29 said, Behold the Lamb of God. And now it's up to you, my friend, to say, Behold my Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. When we meet again, Tom will continue with more Bible truths that will strengthen our friendship with God. If you'd like to learn more about Tom Cantor or Israel Restoration Ministries, visit our websites at friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. There you'll find more resources to help you with your friendship with God. Thanks for listening and join us again at the same time next week.